The following is a presentation of the Six Arrows Radio Network. Ham Radio 360 podcast. We're getting over field day and getting into the 13 Colonies special event. Going to talk about that and some more stuff coming up. MTCRadio.com presents Ham Radio 360, the podcast. Brought to you by Ellacraft. Now, here's your host, Kel Nelson, K4CDN. So have you got over your field day hangover yet, man? You're probably a couple of days late getting to this because you're sleeping in in the morning or something. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Ham Radio 360 podcast. My name is Kale, call sign K4CDN, doing this every other week for the last few years and appreciate you coming back. Uh, yeah, I hope that your field day was great, man. I, I've gotten some good reports, a lot of fun to be have had. And uh, I actually got to spend some time with some buddies of mine, so that was really cool as well here locally. Hey, Main Trading Company got some great deals right now on all their gear. I love their Kenwood stuff. It's my favorite gear, man. I mean, I use it here in the shack and the mobile, and it's just it's solid. I, I've got a two-meter single-band handheld, which is just a crazy performer. So if you're needing anything from Kenwood, please call Main Trading Company. They're great people. That's the coolest thing about them. They're a mom and pop shop. When you purchase from them, you're putting food on their kids' table. And, and as a small businessman myself, I can really appreciate that. Give them a chance. You find them at mtcradio.com. Let Richard and Christine know that Kel sent you down that way for all your Kenwood needs. On this episode, we're going to be chatting about the 13colonies.net event. That's coming up this weekend, yeah, July the 1st through July the 6th. It happens every year. It's a lot of fun. If you've never participated in this contest, well, you're missing out. And we're going to talk about it with Bob. Bob's call is November Delta 7 Juliet. And Bob is from Hendersonville, North Carolina, not too far from me. Although he gets to be up at about 2,500 feet above sea level, and I'm not. So let's welcome Bob in here to the Ham Radio 360 podcast. Uh, no problem, Kale. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Well, we uh, are just tickled to talk about this. This is one of my more favorite contests, not that I get a whole lot of time on HF, but this is one that I've found I've spent time participating in uh, throughout the years as being a licensed amateur, uh, mainly because I'm a really I'm really a, a big fan of the Revolutionary War, of course, as most Americans should be, but uh, my, my children are really into that part of history as well. We live really near the Cowpens, which is a lot of fun to go visit. So can you give me a little history, if we're talking history here, about the the event, the 13 colonies. Oh, sure. I'm happy to do so. Well, uh, the mastermind behind this is Ken uh, Valone, K-U-2-U-S. And uh, he started 13 colonies back in about 2009. Um, he just basically had done an ARRL sweepstakes, had a lot of fun, and he didn't think there was a whole lot of uh, special events. So he decided he was going to start uh, some, a special event. It was really supposed to be a one-year uh, a thing. It wasn't supposed to continue on. Um, so he started 13 colonies around the 4th of July in 2009. He got uh, 13 participants, one from each state, and uh, they went off to, uh, to start doing 13 colonies. They ran the event for four days and uh, they got bombarded. Uh, the pileups <laughs> were unbelievable. Um, so uh, as, as the event went on, uh, you know, throughout uh, that year, um, they had a little bit of advertising on QRZ, QST Magazine, and EHAM. And uh, when it was over, they had 34,000 contacts. Uh, the guys were exhausted, and uh, the pileups were, were pretty crazy. It's, it's amazing to me because the history here of the show is this was supposed to last five or ten episodes, and three years later, we spawned a special uh, a slideshow, got another one coming. You, you never really anticipate what can happen with these things, and it kind of seems to me, knowing the history or in, in reading the history from Ken here, it, it seems to me, as you said, this was a one-shot deal. And the next thing you know, you're into it four, five, eight, ten years, and it grows exponentially every year. Congratulations, by the way, on the growth. And it's really exciting to see people kind of embrace this, uh, especially in today's climate. Politically, we have a lot of just crazy op opposing opinions happening. But uh, to me personally, this is a great opportunity to remind us where we all came from and why we're all here together and at the same time, enjoy this hobby we love. And it just allows us, I mean, it's the 4th of July weekend. Who's going to be working? You know, we're excited. We're, we're just kind of hanging out with family, doing fireworks and barbecues, 
to me, it's the ideal contest for summertime ham radio operating. Yeah, and you know this is a this is a unique event. I know a lot of people that really look forward to this um, every year, um, and and we have now uh, grown to over a hundred operators throughout the thirteen states. Um, if anybody listening would care to go 13colonies.net, www.13colonies.net, there is a ton of information. You can find all the operators listed there, uh, the results from year to year, and you can see how this event has really grown um, from uh, back in uh, 2009. They had 34,000 contacts um, and we had 139,000 plus last year. So the uh, event has, has really taken off. And I really was excited when uh, I got an opportunity to become a, uh, an operator. And then uh, uh, before I even had a chance to become an operator, I was asked if I would be interested in running the website for them. So I redesigned a brand new website last year and, uh, uh, I'm going to tell you what, it is a lar- oh, much larger than I ever thought of a job to do this website. It uh, it keeps me busy. I started in <laughs> February this year getting it together. Yeah, th- it's all a labor of love. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize what it takes to do things like this, whether you're putting on a contest, uh, working a website, a podcast, kind of doing a combination of any of those things. And there's a lot more work involved. It's, it's not just we get to talk on the radio and have fun with each other. Uh, one of the things that kind of struck me about the history of it is going back and looking back, you're thinking, oh, we're going to do this. You know, Ken's thinking we'll do this one, you know, one weekend uh, around the 4th of July. And they were just kind of just pounded. Uh, but but now as it, it's grown and as you said, I mean, you know, it's it's quadrupled times four at least. I mean, it's ridiculous. You've got uh, you've got a whole weekend's worth of operating. It, it starts on July the 1st. Is that correct? It starts this year. It's going to start on July 1st. Uh, at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and it will run through July 6th, midnight Eastern Time. So uh, get your antennas and radios ready um, because you'll have a lot to break through with the pilots, I think. <laughs> you know, I, I listened to the uh, the folks chasing the national parks on the air, and we've talked a lot about that here on the program over the last couple of years. And when, when that was over with, everyone kind of seemed to go in a lull, and then they kind of came back. They were just kind of exhausted. But at the same time, they missed chasing those parks. Now, for me, we're going to be coming right out of the field day weekend into this event. And I think this is just a great opportunity, a great time, a great place to put this type of event as people are kind of come off their their field day hangovers, and they're looking to get back on the air and operate. Uh, will you be participating uh, as, as an operator as well as – um, someone who's going to be kind of keeping score, or how does that work for the operators there who are involved in this event? Well, I will be an operator for North Carolina, and I uh, have been so for the last three years. And I, I will uh, the, the scorekeeping. Uh, we all keep logs. Uh, each uh, each operator for each state keeps a log, which all then get turned in uh, to Ken, and he. Uh, his uh, statement to me is he has no summer uh, when he gets all these logs and uh, people start sending in for their certificates. But uh, each operator uh, keeps their own log. Um, and and speaking of logs, uh, if you go to the website, there is an online log and a um, log generator, which is very convenient uh, for the people trying to work the 13 colonies. So check that out as well. Now, everybody that works a station, is there a QSL card for each particular state available to someone who makes a contact into the one of the 13? Many of the states, if if not all, but I think there's one state this year that is not doing uh, QSL cards. Uh, But most of the states have their own specific QSL card and a specific QSL manager. So, uh, again, at the website, all of the states are listed if you click on each listed state you will see uh, their QSL card. You will find information about the state manager and the QSL manager, how to request a QSL manager or card uh, for each one of those states. And uh, I, I've got a lot of friends that uh, they collect all 12 cards. One guy actually has them uh, framed and matted each year wow. and uh, puts all, all 13 cards uh, plus the bonus stations and what have you. So, uh, yeah, yes, each each state has their own QSL card, and they're very they're all unique to each state. 
Yeah, I was looking at South Carolina, of course, and it's one of my favorite battles, the Battle of Cowpens, where uh, Tarlington got him a double of a whipping, according to uh, Daniel Morgan there. So that was a really neat looking card this year, as well as the uh, the big card, the special event. Um, is this the one that's on the front of the website? Is that one that if you qualify through all of the contacts throughout the 13, can you apply for that as well? Okay, the uh, the cards, the state cards, are, are regular QSL cards, mm-hmm. okay? Um, what you're seeing on the home page there is actually the certificate, and that is a very nicely printed certificate that gets mailed to you. Um, and you do not have to get all 13 to get the certificate, okay? You, okay. Can, you can get the certificate with just one state. One contact will get you the certificate. If you look at the certificate, you will see the endorsements, K2A, K2B, and so forth. Mm -hmm. So for each state that you work, um, the endorsement will be added to the certificate. So each one of these is actually a personal, uh, personalized certificate with your call sign on it. Um, And and really, um, you know, you can do one or you can get all 13. uh, And there's a couple of bonus stations you can work as well. That's quite a uh, quite a nice gift back to the operator. Is there, is there a cost involved in that? Can people help fund this print? Because people may not realize printing is very expensive as well as postage. Is there a, a fee of the fee for this, or is there a way for us to be able to help fund that end of the uh, the operation? Okay, if you click on certificates up on the top of the uh, uh, web page, there you'll find all the information out about the certificates. Uh, there's a $5 donation requested, mm-hmm. okay? It's not mandatory, but it is requested. That covers and costs of uh, expenses, website hosting, uh, printing, envelopes. Um, you do not need to send an envelope. What we do ask is that you send a self-addressed label. Uh, it does not need to be a sticky label. It can just be a 3 by 5 card or something where you have handwritten your or typewritten your address, um, so that we can either peel off the sticky side or tape it to the envelope. Um, the certificate is printed on a really nice uh, cloth-type paper uh, along with a stiffener in the envelope, um, and it's, it's, a nice, uh, it's a very nice uh, certificate, which changes each year. Uh, they're really fun to collect. I've got uh, several uh, in, the, in the frames, um, and I, I just open my frame up and put the new one in front and keep the old ones behind it. So um, it's important that you um, kind of follow the directions to help get the certificates out sooner. But uh, again, if you can't afford the five bucks, uh, no problem, no questions asked. Just send in, send one and you'll get one. Nice, nice. And it's really cool this year. I'm a big Gadsden, Gadsden and Culpeper fan, Flags. So it's, it's really cool to see the Culpeper there as well as the Gadsden. Of course, from South Carolina, that's where a lot of this started back in the day. So really neat stuff. Uh, you know... As I think about knowing what it takes to do things like this, uh, the opportunity for you guys to put back into the hobby the way that you're talking about doing with the quality of, of work and reward for the, the uh, completion of the event, it, it, it's over and above. And I, on, on behalf of everyone listening, thank you guys for what you're doing to help make this happen every year, as well as like you said, if you can't handle the five bucks, we'll be more than happy to do that for you. Now, I want to encourage the listeners, if you're going to participate, uh, what's $5 to get a really rocking uh, certificate to put on your wall? I know a lot of you guys chase wallpaper. This is a great one this year. And you can find a picture of it at 13colonies.net. That's 13colonies.net. We're going to continue our conversation here with Bob right after the break. His call is November Delta 7 Juliet. He's from Hendersonville, North Carolina. And we're talking the 13 Colony special event coming up in just a matter of days. Stay tuned. You've heard us talk about it here on the 360 show as well as the workbench. I'm talking about airspy.us, some of the coolest software defined radio receivers out there, specifically made for you, the amateur radio operator. If you're looking for something like that, maybe you don't really know, but you're not sure and you're kind of trying to figure, listen, I've got one. It's very simple to use. Solid, rock-solid performance. Gotta love them. Airspy.us. Catch up with Joe. Get your SDR receiver now from Airspy.us. So we're back with Bob. His call is November Delta 7. Juliet, really, really like that nice uh, 2 by one there, by the way. Uh, state QSL cards, you said every state designs their own card. How, how, who goes about picking that final design? 
Well, each state manager and each state QSL manager, uh, they uh, hover around and they design their own cards. And then uh, uh, then there's KB3IFH, that's Randy, and he is the gentleman that prints all those cards for each state. Um, and just so that everybody knows, um, you know, Ken does all the work with the certificates. He designs the certificates. Everything gets sent to him, and he has the enormous job, along with some helpers, of getting all these printed and sent out. Um, the QSL cards are uh, produced by each QSL manager and state manager. However, all of the operators that uh, participate for each state, uh, they all pitch in for the cost of those QSL cards. So, uh, you know, North Carolina has X amount of operators when we get a total uh, it's divided up by the operators, and we all throw that uh, state QSL manager, uh, um, whatever the amount is, to pay for the uh, cards. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, it, it helps put a little bit, little bit back into the hobby. We enjoy that. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And Randy's call again is Kilo Bravo 3 India Fox Hotel? That's correct. Yeah, and, and uh, is he a QSL card guy? Does that, is that what he does? He's, a QS, he's an operator. He's a QSL card guy. He also offers uh, coffee mugs of the event, mouse pads of the event. And again, if you go to the website, on the left-hand side there, there are uh, some examples of coffee mugs, mouse pads on every page. And there's actually a link, uh, 13 Colonies Mugs, which will take you over to his website. He's got some really cool products. If uh, people are looking to get their own QSL card made, uh, badges, coffee cups, um, you know, all the bells and whistles that we love to have. Yeah. Well, I'll have to check that out. We need to get some made for the podcast as well. Now, uh, back to the 13 colonies event here. You don't have to work all 13. We talked about that a moment ago in the, in the first segment, uh, to get the certificate. Uh, but, but a lot of people try to, a lot of people do, I guess that would be, if you did, it's a clean sweep. If it's not, then it's still okay. You had a great time and you can get the certificate and the, and the cards as well. That, that's absolutely correct. You, you can work one or you can work all 13. Um, if you work 13, all 13, it's known as the clean sweep. Um, and we all try for the clean sweep, of course, but if you don't, uh, it's not a big deal. Uh, there's also two bonus stations, uh, Whiskey Mike 3, Papa Echo November. They're out of Philly, and uh, that's uh, where the independence was declared, of course, and that's an extra endorsement on the card or the certificate, excuse me. Um, and there's also another bonus station which operates out of Durham, England, a Golf Bravo 13 Colonies, GB3, excuse me, GB13COL. And uh, those are the bonus stations. Now, uh, don't let anybody get confused. If you, if you work all 13, but you don't get the bonus stations, it's still a clean, clean sweep, and it still says on the certificate, uh, clean sweep. Um, it's kind of cool if you can get the... Um, um, bonus stations, uh, and those are extra endorsements, but it's it's not a, um, a mandatory thing for a clean sweep. And one other thing, um, Kale, I'd like to mention, uh, a lot of times if you're uh, living in South Carolina and you're trying to work a South Carolina station, as you know, that can be difficult. Mm -hmm. um, all the operators are listed on each state page on the website. You can look them up on QRZ. And most, if not all, will be happy to set up a SCED um, for those difficult times uh, on 40 meters or what have you to try. And we're, we're going to do our best to let everybody get a clean sweep. So don't hesitate to send emails to the operators. We're happy to help. We want to get you in the log. Yeah, just just remember, guys, they're very busy. So don't if they don't immediately reply, I've seen this happen. If they don't immediately reply or don't come back and pat you on the head, give them a second. They're really busy. Their wife may be wanting them to take the garbage out in the midst of this contesting weekend. Uh, one of the things, talking about a clean sweep, uh, I know that there are a lot of probably <laughs> there's got to be some competition between the states uh, as to who can do outdo the other one is there anything like that just being a dad with five kids and knowing how that goes uh is there any of that that goes on during during this event <laughs> well i'm glad you asked that you know all the states compete with each other of course um to to try and become the top state because uh we are actually eligible for a really nice plaque the top state and the top operators um it, and there's a link on the website that talks a little bit about this. It's kind of cool. Um, so we're actually eligible for a top uh, operator, uh, low power, high power, uh, QRP, what have you. 
And um, we we all we all kind of are jockeying for position to uh, to get this. Probably the biggest um, uh, not mentioned competition, and it's all very friendly. Uh, There's no uh, (laughs) nothing there. It's uh, between North Carolina, North Carolina and South Carolina. Um, It's kind of like Michigan, Ohio football right um north carolina and south carolina are in deep competition we are uh constantly uh trying to outdo the others unfortunately for me being north carolina uh the doggone south carolina folks have beat us uh for several years running however last year uh they only beat us by 166 contacts um many of those which could be possibly dupes. So we were neck and neck <laughs> last year with South Carolina. And I, I personally will be, um, Velcroed to my chair, uh, trying to whoop somebody's, uh, South Carolina down there. But, uh, if we don't, if we don't, we don't, it's still going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it sounds, it, it's, to me, it's a great event, but knowing that there's some friendly competition going between the operators and the States is a, even adds to the, uh, to the intrigue there. Hey, I know that you guys operate on multiple bands, HF, uh, anywhere that we can look particularly to find you or are you guys just out there, we need to tune the big knob. Okay, there's several ways to to accomplish that. Um, probably the best way is the cluster. Uh, a lot of us use DX Summit. Um, some of us use some of the other ones, but I personally use DX Summit. And um, I encourage uh, the people that worked me. Hey, could you spot me? Um, and that gets us a little bit of uh, a little bit of um, you know find out where we're at. Look at the clusters. Um, you can go on the website, click on bands and modes. You know, we're basically working all HF bands, including the uh, WARC bands, uh, with the exception of 60 meters. Also, for those difficult um, those difficult states, if you're in South Carolina, trying to work South Carolina, um, you can set up a sked on two meters. Okay. And we're happy to do a two meter um, to get you in the log. Uh, we will be operating on sideband, CW, digital, um, most all the modes at different times. Uh, in particular, in North Carolina, I'm not patting myself on the back here, but <laughs> uh, there is a, if you go to the North Carolina page, there is actually a link that says find where the North Carolina operators are. And it is a Google document that is up there. Uh, now, the operators in North Carolina, we can edit this, but the people that are viewing cannot. However, what it does is it tells people um, where where we're at and what, uh, you know, if I'm working uh 20 meter sideband, my call sign will be there and it will show that I'm on 20 meter sideband. Um, and we've got a little waiting line set up there. So if one of our other operators wants 20 after I'm done, uh, we, we do that. Uh, not all the states have this. Um, so uh, I encourage everybody to look at the Google document there to find out where we're at if you don't see us on the cluster. When uh, when we log a contact with you guys, I know that there's a lot of different people out there use a lot of different logging programs. Is that something that uh, someone can put off in a, a particular file and send to you, or do you need their log in a particular format that's easy for, for Ken to read and, and decipher? We, we don't really need a particular format. I know a lot of people will use like N3FJP. Um, there's a little plug, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, Really, the best way to log the uh, the contacts is to, again, go to the website, 13colonies.net, and click on Log Sheets. And as soon as you that page opens up, you will see a fillable PDF form that you can fill in as you're going uh, with all the pertinent information. And then at the bottom, you can actually uh, uh, fill out the check marks for different endorsements, which would be all QRP, veterans, American legions, the NRA, um, VFW, all CW, what have you. Mm -hmm. And you can also, at that point in time, you can fill out your name, address and everything right on this form. Okay. It gives you all the information on that form. It's a PDF, which will then allow you to print it right from your computer. Um, very neat little thing. It's right there. That's the easiest, best way. And it's the quickest for the operators. Uh, also on that page, you will see a link that says 13 Colonies Special Event Log Form Generator. It's also a very cool uh, way to log this stuff. It's got a bunch of drop-down boxes where you just uh, clickety-click, click, click through, put in all the pertinent information, and you can uh, – actually, you can even um, 
a print from that as well. Generate the form and print it, and you're ready to go. Fantastic. Well, you guys have covered all the bases here. It sounds like, I mean, it's, this is not just somebody getting together and going to try to have a contest. You guys have really put a lot of thought into that and congratulations for the success so far. I know that uh, winter field day came and went, we had a great time with that here locally and uh, field day is always fun. I, I know that there were a lot of our listeners who did not uh, maybe understand winter field day and through our program, we were able to help folks kind of get a better grasp of that. And I think that through this time together, Bob, we've, we've been able to highlight the great things that you guys are doing with the 13 colony special event. Again, it's one of my more favorite contests and I'm not the contesting kind of guy, but man, I love coming up here to the shack and turning the radio on during the 4th of July weekend. And the radio is just going crazy with these contacts being made give me again the dates and the times that we can expect to find you guys on the air okay um 13 colonies officially kicks off this year july 1st at 9 a.m eastern standard time and it runs through july 6th midnight eastern standard time very good um i personally will be on someplace uh Probably about 8.30, you'll hear me calling CQ with my call sign, November Delta 7 Japan, uh, securing a nice spot on a frequency somewhere. And I will generally um, ask somebody to spot me. So if you see my call July 1st, about 8.30, quarter to 9 on there, you're, you're going to know that at 8.59.59 will be the last ND7J uh, CQ and at nine o'clock exactly, I will convert to K2J. Thirteen colonies is on the air, and uh, then I will proceed to deal with the pilot. Absolutely, that is so awesome, man! It's really cool uh, knowing uh, now the backstory of where this came from. Also, how much you guys, being all the operators combined, including Ken, who uh, began this thing back back when, knowing how much work you're actually putting into it. It's not just a fun thing. You know, we're just, it is fun, but there's a lot of work that we're not seeing, but we're able to enjoy. So thank you so much to all of your operators across the 13 colonies, as well as your special events, uh, your bonus stations there. Again, thank you uh, for doing that for us, and we can't wait to catch up with you on the air in just a few days. All right, Kale. Well, listen, I appreciate the opportunity to come here and and talk about this, and uh, I hope everybody out there that uh, that hears this will participate. And uh, uh, feel free to contact me if you need to uh, any further information. The website is is pretty complete. Um, you can also uh, contact me. Uh, through QRZ or my website uh, for questions, uh, whatever you may need. Uh, my website, nd7j.com, uh, lots of information up there and a way to contact me for sure. So anybody needs to feel free to get a hold of me. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Bob. We really appreciate you being here with us. It's the 13 Colony Special Event celebrating the uh, the Revolutionary War and the war that we call now the War of Our Independence. It happens July the 1st through July the 6th, coming up in just a matter of days. So if you have any more questions, again, check out 13colonies.net. Of course, we'll have that and many more things that we've talked about here listed in the show notes. Bob, thanks again, and uh, good luck in 73. All sir. Thank you. 7-3 to you and all your listeners, and thanks for having me on. Elacraft.com is hands-on ham radio, and I have my hands on an Elacraft KX2. It's a phenomenal little rig. Can't wait to chat with you guys about it in an upcoming program. Listen, it's that time of year. People are outside. Your family's at the beach. Your family's in the mountains. And maybe you don't want to get in the water. I hate the water, by the way. Uh, what when I, would, I would take my rig with me. I would set it up and do some operating. So, listen, if you're looking to get outside, take your ham radio with you. There is no better choice than Elecraft. It's been proven time and again. The Elecraft KX line is what you need to be operating portable. Check out their June specials at Elecraft.com forward slash specials. Again, that's Elecraft.com hands-on ham radio. 
few days ago, I had the opportunity to visit with my friend Glenn Hebert on his Horses in the Morning show. Now, you're scratching your head, maybe wagging your tail, wondering what in the world does Kel have to talk about horses? I didn't. Glenn was interested in what's going on in ham radio. What is a ham radio podcast? What is the ham radio hobby? And with his invitation, had the opportunity to get on Horses in the Morning with him, which is on the Horse Radio Network. It's the largest horse podcasting network on the planet. Now, that doesn't mean that horses listen to podcasts, right? The, the earbuds would fall out. But their owners do, and it was quite an honor and, and really fun to be on here. Here's a quick little segment. I want to share it with you. Again, this is from Glenn Hebert's Horses in the Morning. Check it out. MTCRadio.com presents Ham Radio 360, the podcast. Brought to you by Ellacraft. Now, here's your host, Kel Nelson, K4CDN. K4CDN, how are you? Man, I recognize that music. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having I- me. I think everybody kind of knows what ham radio is, but then they go, okay, it's, it's those really nerdy guys with extra thick glasses, you know, even worse than me. Uh, am I right? Uh, well, you've met me before, and, and I'm more of a country boy than a nerdy guy with glasses. I wear contacts. <laughs> and uh, it, it is really it's, – it's a technical hobby, but the thing about the, the hobby is it's, it's really big enough for everybody to fit in. And while there is some very ultra-super technical, geeky, Kel don't even understand it kind of stuff happening, it's also a hobby that's open for anyone who's interested in communicating. We had a guy down the street when I was growing up who had the 45-foot antenna outside his house and used to screw up our radio stations. <laughs> Does that still happen? Do we still have the 45-foot antenna uh, outside his house? You, you may have some with 100-plus feet uh, towers in their yard. <laughs> and, you know, in, in living in Florida, you guys are in a very great spot for things like that. But the cool thing about amateur radio is is that we're given the opportunity or the, the legalities that allow us to measure radios up, measure televisions up because we're a service. And according to the FCC regulations, uh, your TV can't interfere with us, but we can interfere with your television. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It, it pays to be a geek sometimes. Ask Glenn. <laughs> That's right. So what – now, to be serious here for a second, yes. I know we don't do that very often, but, Kale, we got to try. That's all right. um, so now, you guys actually do perform a service and in, in, in emergencies. Yes. And, and is that kind of a formal thing? Is it a setup formal thing? Like you're activated? How does that work? Well, it all really depends on where you're at and you know your locale. Like, uh, say for instance, ham, ham radio operators in Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, along the coast will be in a different state of mind year round than say folks like in Montana. Um, and we have groups within groups. We have a, an advocacy organization called the ARRL, which is kind of like an NRA. Uh, advocacy group, except it's for amateur radio versus gun rights. So you have advocacy groups that have groups under themselves like an umbrella who allow us to utilize our skills and to offer our skills and our equipment to, say, local governments in time of duress. So right now, probably around in the Gulf Coast, you have amateur radio operators who have been activated through their local groups to perform services, whether they're at a um, like a Red Cross shelter, maybe they're in the emergency operations center locally inside their county building. Uh, but they're there, we're there to offer our services to you in, in a time of need. And then when you don't need us, we just like chatting with each other all around the world. So what? So why does a ham radio work when other forms of communication won't in a time of emergency? Is that a dumb question? No, it's a very good question, Glenn, and and, and that would be my place to say that's a good question because the thing about ham radio is is we build our own in- infrastructure. For instance, here in my barn, now I'm I'm actually I podcast, I do all my ham radio stuff and everything from an old horse barn, so I've got you know some common ground here. Um, it's it's the actual old tack room, but. We have our own infrastructure, so we don't depend necessarily on the Internet. We don't necessarily depend on uh, the power companies to provide us power because a lot of us have backup emergency power. And without having to get too technical into this, we don't rely on the the cell, cell, the cell phone services providers, uh, their antennas, their towers. So we kind of build our own infrastructure in. So that allows us when we get to the point where the power's out or maybe 911 quits working, we generally, and that's a big term there, but we generally have the opportunity to 
activate our equipment and to be able to be utilized in an emergency like that, or even, you know, just bad weather, freaky ice storm or something. Uh, a lot of us put a lot of time and effort into having our things that can work when nobody else will. And that's why we usually work when no one else does. Does being a ham radio guy also go along with being a prepper? Uh, you know, there's a lot of preppers. who have- I got it, Jennifer. There, there's a lot of preppers who have who have um, got into amateur radio thinking that is the it is the end all be all kind of thing. Um, it is really the best answer for emergency communications, whether you're a preparedness individual or not. That being said, it's not something that you just kind of buy gear and put in a duffel bag, toss it in the in the attic or the closet. It's a it's a service that you have to hone inside yourself. It's it's a it's an ability well, you have that to be you build. licensed too, right? Well, you do have to you take have to a licensed? test. Yeah, there's a yeah. there's a thirty five question test. That we're out, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> we just failed. Yeah, it, it, it's it's uh, it's really simple. It's almost too simple nowadays. Some people say uh, you don't have to learn Morse code anymore, which is cool. That's why I'm here, and um, I never I never took the opportunity to learn the Morse code, but you don't have to do that anymore. It's just a simple 35 question test given to you locally by your local amateur radio community. And it's, it's really not a big deal to get into it. If you are a prepper and you want to get into ham radio, it's a good answer for you. Uh, it doesn't mean that you just need to buy stuff, put it in the attic and forget about it until something happens and you need to use it. It's, it's like anything. You have to hone your skills. You need to be doing it. I don't All think right. you'll We're want Glenn and I there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you don't want us we'll there. We'll stick the podcast. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> All right. So now we run out of time. You can find the show at hamradio360.com, yes. hamradio360.com, or anywhere on your podcast players. But I know I asked Jennifer, I said, when you make up these questions, the, the horsey questions for non horse people, keep in mind that Kale's a country boy and he might actually know some of these. So she gave you a tough one. Okay. Are you ready? Go ahead. What are wind puffs? Wind? wind puffs. Is that when you uh, you feed the horse the wrong thing and you stand behind it in the stall or something? <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. That that's is the, not a right answer. That's exactly right. <laughs> Thank you, Kale. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate you. We should have asked a question and we had a better result. <laughs> we'll see you, buddy. Thanks, Let's guys. Keep matching. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> mtcradio.com is the place to purchase your new icom ic7300 okay you were at field day somebody had one now you have to have one what are you going to do you need to call main trading company mtcradio.com let them know that you want the best deal on the planet on the ic7300 so give them a call main trading company mtcradio.com for icom radio gear and especially the ic7300 so it seems that uh, I've been around a lot since I got home from Hamvention, which is quite funny because I really haven't left the farm. Uh, but here I am again. I want to share this one with you. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually it was back before Hamvention, Hap Holly from The Rain Report and I got together one evening on Skype and chatted about Ham Radio 360 and where and why and how and what. And, you know, you may be a new listener. You might not be familiar with the old story. So we're going to talk about some of that here. And I'm just going to play it with you. I've got permission from Hap to share this with you. And I want to encourage you to uh, check Hap out, man. It's, he's on Twitter. He's got his uh, show that comes out every week. It's a 10 to 15-minute program where he talks uh, to someone in amateur radio about something in amateur radio. You might be even you may even hear it on your local repeater. I got an, uh, a message from Don Gover. It says, Cal, I just heard you on my repeater. It was the weirdest thing. So <laughs> thank you so much for Hap having me on. And uh, his call, uh, Hap's call is Kilo Charlie 9 Romeo Papa. You can check out The Rain Report at therainreport.com. Have links in the show notes. But here's, uh, here's part of the interview that Hap and I had there on The Rain Report. From the toasty confines of the Mid-South Rain Studio, I'm Will Rogers, K5WLR, with the June 17th Rain Report. We're so connected nowadays, everyone is disconnected. And to build a rapport and to be able to share a conversation with someone or to be able to build into a relationship with someone, they can smell it a mile away if it's fake, and they'll know. And it stands a chance to turn them off instead of bringing them in. That's Kale Nelson, K4CDN, a rural Carolina ham in his mid-40s who produces a ham radio-oriented podcast from the comfort surroundings at least, of his horse barn, accompanied occasionally by a barnyard rooster outside. 
On June 17th, 2014, Kale began producing Ham Radio 360, an hour-long podcast that has now passed the three-year mark. Ham Radio 360 actually started out as a kind of an inside joke on an amateur radio forum that I participate in. Actually, the guys who encouraged me to get my license. So although we all hide behind an avatar there on the show, I thought that even behind our avatars, we could kind of get a feel for this guy likes to go out and do portable operations. This guy's into MCOM. And I wanted to be able to connect with those guys just because they'd given so much to me. I'd come out of 10 years in non-commercial FM Christian radio, and I had been out for a little while and missed being behind a microphone. So I thought, you know, that'd be a good chance to get back behind the mic, make some friends, uh, keep the skills honed, if you will, and to connect with the buddies that I had made online. You know, I'm a stay-at-home dad, so there's not a whole lot of hanging out time for Kale. About four shows in, the guys from that particular forum began letting me know that, hey, this is too good for just us. This is a lot bigger than you think it is. This is going to be more than you think it was supposed to be. And actually, it did turn into something that we, myself and Jeremy and George, the fellows who helped me, it grew into something that none of us ever anticipated. After 50 or show episodes, we came up with an idea to rebrand. It had a really hokey name that was a a deep inside joke from this internet forum. And it was hard to explain the name and how it related to amateur radio because it didn't. It related to that amateur radio forum. So we had to uh, sit down and think, and 360 hit me because I wanted to address the hobby in every direction. And it, it became Ham Radio 360 on our 50th show. And about two or three weeks later was Hamvention, the first time I got to go. And at the same time, Ellacraft and Eric released the KX2. Eric was gracious enough to sit down with KJ6VU, my buddy George, to get an interview straight off the fanfare there at the Four Days in May in Dayton. And our, our numbers just went crazy. Subscribers went through the roof. And from that point till today, we've organically grown probably five to seven times what we were this time last year. Why do you think it has grown so well? You are one of half a dozen hammer new podcasts today. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that we're all, all of us who are out here creating content are seeing a surge. Why has our show grown? I really don't know. And and I'm like, I've told you earlier, I'm a really transparent, humble guy. I like to think that we're doing what the listeners are wanting us to do, uh, attacking the subjects and bringing up the guests that they want to hear. But at the same time, I try not to put kale too much into it and just think that it's our time. We're enjoying uh, the opportunities we have. We've been given some great opportunities to participate with folks like Ellacraft and Main Trading Company down in Paris, Texas. But I look around, and like you said, there's a good half dozen of us. And it seems to me that we're all kind of talking to the same audience where there may be a couple thousand over here more than someone else, and they may have a couple of thousand that someone else doesn't have. And that's probably directly related to the host and their personality. But I still think, and and this is just Kel's opinion, I don't know this from anybody else, I still think we're missing a very large segment of listeners or people who could be listening, potentials, I guess, and I haven't figured out how to get them yet. And I really want to because I really like connecting in this fashion with other folks in the amateur radio hobby. And I think there's there's a disconnect with the ages in amateur radio right now, we have a lot of OEMs, you know, a lot of old guys who are 65-plus uh, years old. I'm 43. There's a good handful of us, and then there's some behind us coming in as well. And I think that past the, the Chinese handy talkies are bad or the no-code general guys, those arguments, when you remove those, I think that we have a societal separation between the older guys and people my age and younger. And people my age and younger you know, are quicker to embrace the newer technologies, the older guys, or maybe they're taking in some technology, but they they may not be aware, and, and I've seen this firsthand, they may not be aware that they can use the smartphone to listen to programs like mine and yours through podcast players. A lot of them tell me they don't even know what a podcast is. So then, you know, we, we become uh, podcast ambassadors, uh, sharing our, our content and others as well to uh, kind of inform people that, hey, we're out here creating this stuff for you every week, every other week, once a month or whatnot to enhance your hobby. 
And and that's what I found. I found a lot of guys who aren't even plugged in, don't even know what a podcast is. And I see a lot of people my age and younger who are digging it, who are loving it. And you really can't give them enough. They enjoy it so much. You're listening to The Rain Report from www.therainreport.com. You do your podcast live or do you interview someone and then edit it down? Well, I interview someone. I don't do a lot of editing, to be very honest with you. I'm just not real big on editing. I like being real. And I think a a genuine conversation between two people, whether someone slips. Now, if if someone says something completely off base or they ask me to take something out, I'll I'll do that. Or if we have a – down here in the south, we've got some sinus stuff going on. So the other day I I had a sneeze in the middle of a conversation I had to take out. But primarily – we record the calls and for two reasons. As a matter of fact, I live way out in the country, and I have no broadband internet connection that most people would consider having in their house. You know, right now I'm talking to you through the hotspot on my 4G LTE cell phone, so I don't have a wired internet connection. Uh, that limits me to a certain amount of bandwidth every month, which prevents me from doing a lot of live things. So, although I do the calls live and record them. I then take them in, clean them up if I have to, I split them up between the breaks in my show, and then post-produce the program with the Audacity program, do some leveling, and then put the program up together. So we've done one live program, matter of fact. It was our show 50. I went to my wife's hair salon in town where we've got just a wonderful charter internet connection, and we did a what was at that time called a blab. And it was a really neat interface that they, for some reason, quit allowing people to use. But uh, we were able to bring listeners in and have them interviewed on the show live as we recorded it, video and audio. It was really cool. Unfortunately, that went away. But that's the only live program we've ever done. I've noticed in recent years, some of my editing has been too severe. I do like to make folks sound better than they did in Mm -hmm. the conversation i.e. getting rid of the ums and the yeah. you knows and long pauses and what have you. But I sometimes wonder if that maybe is a detriment to what my listeners are hearing on the other end, or if they find that that guy speaks so well, I, I can never do that, you know, that sort of thing. I, I don't want to say that it's it's on purpose. I'm kind of lazy when it comes to that. But honestly, as I sit down and listen to these programs, I really want the listener to feel like they're on the call or they're at the table with myself and the guest. And, you know, I'm on a lot of podcasting forums, and, and I recently attended a podcasting uh, big event down in Florida. And there were a lot of people there that were concerned about room noise and ambient noise and traffic as it passed down the road. I, I'm sitting in my barn. I'm in an old horse barn right now. Yesterday morning, I did a podcast interview, and in the background, I'm sure we heard my rooster crow a couple of times. And the reality is we all live in the same real world, you know, and, and all the time we have noises going on around us. And and I'm not going to say the right thing every time. And I'm going to stumble and I'm going to say um and but and uh and all these things. But I think that there's enough grace in people to give you a break when it comes to that. Now, I, I will say that on, a, on another show, I had a, a gentleman who was a, uh, a terrible ummer. <laughs> it was um, 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 And I did go in and take some of those out, like you said, to make, make the calls sound mo- more coherent. But at the same time, I don't spend a lot of time with that because I want it to be as real and transparent. I love that word because uh, it's kind of like my, my hair is now gone and my scalp. It's all transparent for me now. But I just like being real. And I think that people connect with that, especially nowadays. We're so connected nowadays. Everyone is disconnected. And to build a rapport and to be able to share a conversation with someone or to be able to build into a relationship with someone, I think that they can they can smell it a mile away if it's fake, if it's overdone, and they'll know. And it stands a chance to turn them off instead of bringing them in. I found that fascinating. You said that today we're so connected. But because we're so connected, we're disconnected. In Kel's opinion, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm just a stay-at-home dad with five kids who's run a hair salon for the last 17 years. And you see a lot of great examples of people being overly connected but completely disconnected from reality there, for sure. But it just seems to me that people are so hungry for genuine interaction, not a tweet, not a like, not a share, not a poke or whatever that is on Facebook. They just want people to sit down with them and be real. 
You know, I mean, even when you see kids nowadays going on dates, they sit down at the table. The first thing they do is get their phones out, and they don't even look at each other the entire time they're at dinner together. I don't know what the guy's paying for, honestly, but my wife would have taken the phone and thrown it out in the in the yard before that would have happened back when we were dating. But, uh, you know, people just seem so hungry to me for genuine interaction. And that's one of the things that I really strive to do with with the Ham Radio 360 show is to bring that genuine interaction. And if it's Kale sounding like this redneck Southern guy from South Carolina, well, so be it. I'm not going to change who I am. I just want to interact with people and, and meet them where they are because I'm going to accept them wherever they are. And I ask the same for them. And so far, it's working out great. Interesting. You have sponsors for your podcast. I came out of non-commercial radio. I was a DJ and a music director at a youth-oriented Christian radio station. We didn't play commercials because we were a non-commercial station, but we did have breaks between the songs about a different type of ministry or a concert coming up or a different show promotion, potentially. I got used to that feel. I've been a talk radio listener since I've was probably in 11th grade. I stumbled into talk radio. So I've always been a big fan of talk radio. So they had commercials there too. So when I decided to begin podcasting, I wanted it to feel like radio because I love radio. I've loved radio since I was a child. So what happened? I found out about Main Trading Company, a small mom and pop shop down in Paris, Texas. I had done some business with them. I hadn't bought a lot from them, but what I had purchased from them, the service was phenomenal. And I knew some guys on the forum I was on who had been doing business with them, and their their testimonials were just out of this world. So I visited their website one day and saw that Richard's wife, Christine, was a former radio gal who has this amazing radio voice. And I approached them and I said, hey, my name's Kale. You don't know me, and that's okay, but I'm going to start a podcast about amateur radio. And I would like to feature your store, because I've been so pleased with your service and your morals and your ethics and et cetera, that I would like to use your name and promote your business with my podcast. Immediately, they're, okay, well, we don't really know what a podcast is, and we don't have any money to spend on that. And my immediate response was, I don't want your money. I want her voice. So Christine sat down in her studio there at the house, and she recorded off some great intros and great outros. And for a long time, she was actually doing commercial spots during the show, which were really cool, by the way. We swapped it out for quite a bit of time. And then I came back and I said, okay, I I think we've used up the credit there. Can we get a little money to help maybe pay for the funding of the show, to pay for the hosting of the program, the Libsyn database, maybe help some with the uh, URLs and the website stuff? And it just kind of grew from there. And then we had other people approach us. Uh, Bridgecom Systems came in for a while and, and spent some great time with us. Really appreciate those guys. Then uh, KB6NU, Dan Romantic, approached me and said, hey, can I get a spot on your show? I said, absolutely. And then not too long ago, just at the first of the year, we brought in Elacraft. And that was very exciting. We've even spun another show off, uh, the Workbench Podcast with George and Jeremy. It's a very deep technical show. It's the opposing weeks of my conversational show. They do a very deep technical show. And they're sponsored by Eagle CAD by Autodesk, as well as Elecraft. And we have some other sub-sponsors that sponsor our, our site and whatnot. Uh, the pitch, you know, it was just, hey, I'm Kale, and we're going to do this show, and we're excited about the opportunity to connect you with our listeners. And I guess it's paying off because everybody's sticking around, at least the most part, and happy. And uh, one of the things I really wanted to make sure I was doing, I wanted to make sure I was connecting my listeners, my audience, because I want them to trust me, and I believe they do. And I want to connect them with people that I trust. So when it came to Main Trading Company, the business I had done with them, the interaction that I had with their company was out of this world. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I could send people there. They would be taken care of. And they wouldn't come back to me and say, oh, you just have them on there to, to give you money. No, I mean, I really like Richard and Christine. I, I view them as very good friends. And it's exciting to see their business grow as it has over the last eight or so years from working out of a guy's carport, you know, to moving into this facility and and having these employees. I'm an entrepreneur, small business owner, so that kind of stuff excites me, especially when I can connect people with people who share the same morals, ethics, and values that I do. Is Ham Radio 360 intended to be retransmitted over amateur radio, i.e. repeaters, 
and the like. I never thought about that going in to it. Um, I know that some are, some different shows are. I've never heard those on a repeater locally. Uh, we, we don't have anybody, I guess, locally doing that. But this show was not intended to be that. This show was intended to be a edutainment show, entertaining and educational at the same time. But it was made to be listened to on your computer, on your telephone. I do have it split up to where it could be played over commercial radio, maybe. But even then, it would take some work. But I don't treat it that way. That's a major difference in the target audience that you have. The Rain Report is intended to be transmitted over amateur radio and has the 10-minute break that Mm -hmm. the FCC requires for ID and that sort of thing. And I find that I need to keep my rain reports under 20 minutes, preferably 15, Mm -hmm. maybe 17 or 18, because the attention span (laughs) isn't what it used to be. No, it gets shorter and shorter, and and I've done a lot of studying of that. It's funny you mentioned that. My show is an hour long. Usually it's an hour. Sometimes it's a little longer. Our workbench show, we've had those shows go two or three hours at a time, and that's a lot to digest. Now, I, I will tell you this. I have another program I've just recently launched. It's not amateur radio related, but I did some pretty deep study on men's attention span because the program is geared to men. And I have tried to hold it below 25 minutes in and out completely because, like you said, 15 to 20 minutes is all we can get them. The average commute is about 27 minutes in the U.S. That's almost what it takes for me to drive a town from here. So you can listen to the program from start to finish before you get to work. You can listen to the program while you're in the treadmill doing your exercise at the gym in the morning or whatnot. So you just, you know, like you say, you, you do yours a certain length because it works for your potential audience. That's very smart. And these phones and these computers and television and whatnot have really gotten our attention spans, as you said, a lot shorter than they used to be. Fascinating that your podcast, along with Eric Goose USO Today, podcasts mm-hmm. are both an hour long yeah what i'll do i have done this with a handful of the programs that eric guth for z1ug has produced for his uso today podcast i will take the first half hour and break that into two pieces it just works well that way and it keeps it within a reasonable length. Do you have long-term goals for your Ham Radio 360 podcast? I want to continue growing the brand. Like I said, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, my wife and I have been in business for years. I've got a couple of things going on around me. Uh, not that any of them are keeping me fed, but I still like that. And I like building brands. I like building brand recognition. And, and you know, I've learned in my time that building a brand is best done from, from the ground level. Uh, it's organic. It's built uh, with face-to-face handshakes and greetings, pats on the backs and big hugs when you haven't seen someone for the last year or so. And I want to continue the brand. I want to continue growing. Uh, I don't think that we're finished with just two shows. And I think that we have a lot to offer, not just saying we, as in Kale and George and Jeremy, uh, that do the Workbench show. I believe that there's talent out there that we haven't tapped yet. You know, there's so many sub-levels of amateur radio. Me, I had no idea going in that, you know, I could sit down with a computer and a little box and a HF radio and send instant messages back and forth to people. I, I didn't realize that I could plot my uh, traffic or where I've gone throughout the day with APRS. I didn't realize that I could do all these cool things that people are out there doing. There's subcultures inside of amateur radio. For instance, my local club, the large majority of people in the local club are really in a chase and DX and wallpaper. And I kind of thought that would be what I was interested in. But, you know, four or five years into the hobby now, that's really the last thing on my mind. And it really bothers people when I say that I'm not just itching to get on HF all the time. There's other things I'm really attracted to. So, you know, I think there's a lot of room for growth. For instance, we did a show. We've done two shows now about APRS. With that as our primary topic, we did an introduction show and we did a follow-up question show. Two of our most popular shows Ever. Now, I'm not saying that we can dedicate an entire podcast to APRS, but that's just a great sign that there's a lot of untapped knowledge and a lot of people out there who can't find what they're looking for. 
necessarily, even on the internet, things are hard to find sometimes. And sometimes you just need someone that's very familiar with the product and that they can explain it to you in a, in a way that any layman can understand. So I would like to create more shows, not for me. I'm plenty busy, but I would like to give other people opportunity to come on and to build an audience, to build a brand and to share where they're at and what they're doing within the amateur radio hobby. Communications hobby, the makers, the makers and the builders, are that's a huge thing right now. There's so much untapped potential, I believe. And that, that's kind of where I'd like to see this go. I'll tell you the reason why I may say that, and it, it may shock you or it may put someone else off over here, but I'm a stay-at-home dad. So it's not like I'm getting up every day and, and putting on the tie and driving into town and doing the work at the office and standing at the water cooler during break. I don't do that. I don't have that interaction. A lot of people probably wish they didn't, but they wouldn't want to wear my shoes after about a week, I guarantee you. I'm here all the time with kids. So this is kind of my grown-up outlet. I know that sounds silly on some levels, but it gives me an opportunity to connect with people who are adults and to make that adult connection, especially about something I'm really passionate about. So being able to continue that, to grow that and strengthen those connections with other people is really why I want to keep moving this thing forward. One of the neat things about what you and I do is that we're not limited so much by commercial breaks. Now, yeah, I have to have an ID break around nine, nine and a half minutes, but if I want to go 20 minutes, I could. There's nothing that says I, I can't, but I also realize that the longer you go, the sooner you lose your audience. If someone would like more information about Ham Radio 360 or they want to reach you, how would they do that? The easiest way is to visit our website, and it's just simply hamradio360.com. All of our links, contacts, social, podcast players, we have a link as well. We have a page that lists every known content creator out there, whether they're audio or video podcast or whatnot. If you get over there and you don't like me, you don't like us, that's okay. We've got a page full of people that you can check out as well. You may like someone else, and you won't know if you don't know they're out there. So I want to be able to connect everyone with as many as we can. I just want to say thank you for for going out ahead of us and taking the bull by the horns and, and starting this thing. Uh, and, and sticking with it, it's 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 very commendable. And those of us who are coming up and, and and trying to get our feet under us, we really appreciate you. And and I know sometimes that doesn't come out. Sometimes that's left out of the conversation. But I didn't want to get away from you without telling you that I really appreciate all that you've done for us. And that concludes our look and listen to a conversation Reigns Hapali, KC9RP, conducted with Kale Nelson, K4CDN, the mastermind and ham behind the Ham Radio 360 weekly hour-long podcast. The Rain Report is copyright 1990-2017. All rights are reserved. Now for all of our podcast enthusiasts, I'm Will Rogers, K5WLR, bidding you very 73 from the Rain Report. The Radio Amateur Information Network is available for transmission over amateur radio from therainreport.com, at the Rain Report on Twitter, and lurking somewhere in iTunes. Keep on hamming! That's going to wrap up this episode of Ham Radio 360 Podcast. Thank you for sticking around. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something and was entertained at the same time. Big special thank you to November Delta 7, Juliet Bob from Hendersonville, North Carolina, regarding the 13 Colonies special event happening this weekend. Don't miss it. My buddy Glenn Hebert, Neil Galarte from the Horse Radio Network. Thank you guys for having me on that morning. And not to forget Hap Holly, who we just heard from right there with the rain report. All the show notes that you're looking for, the links that we've discussed, it's all in our show notes section on the website, hamradio360.com. Don't miss it. There's more to it than just that, right? But you've got to go over there and check it out. Again, a big special thank you to all the patrons who uh, support the program here, as well as our show sponsors. Couldn't do it without you. And guys, can't wait to be back with you next time, maybe talking about fox hunting. We'll have to see if Larry and I can get together between now and then. Anyway, we'll have a great show for you, I'm sure, as well as the Workbench show coming back up next week. And they'll be continuing the conversation about the BitX40 transceiver. Don't miss that one. If you did miss the first one, go back and listen. You're going to want to build one for sure. Again, thank you so much for participating with us here at HamRadio360.com. My name is Kale. It's been, been my pleasure to be here with you. God bless every one of you. 73, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Ham Radio 360 podcast. 
Brought to you by Maine Trading Company, Paris, Texas, and by Elecraft.com, hands-on ham radio. To learn more about the show, visit our website, hamradio360.com. 73s, y'all. Hey guys, before you go, the Pecos Valley Amateur Radio Club in Roswell, New Mexico will be sponsoring a special event station from July the 1st to July the 4th to commemorate the 70th anniversary of the Roswell incident and the 25th anniversary of the International UFO Museum and Research Center. Now the club's going to be operating this during the museum's business hours, which are 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time each day during July the 1st to the 4th. They're going to be operating on 20 meters around 14.245, and the club's call is Whiskey 5 Zulu Uniform. You can also check them out on QRZ as well as PecosValleyARC.com, and they've got a really cool certificate to confirming your contacts. They've never done anything like this, and they're really excited. Hope you guys will check them out. I just got this right before the show posted, so Sarge, there you go the Pecos Valley Amateur Radio Club in Roswell, New Mexico. Again, special event station July the 1st through the 4th. We'll have this in the show notes uh, from 9 to 5 Mountain Daylight Time on 20 meters 14.245. And their call is Whiskey 5 Zulu Uniform. Give them a shot. Catch you later, guys. Out there, five nine, bros. Hey, five. I'll charge you.